Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello again, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for joining us today. And if you're joining online, uh, thanks for joining us. If you are in a really warm, cool place, um, would you make sure to post that in the chat? And for those of us that are here in Indiana with, what is it, like seven degrees outside, something like that, just know I got a text from a friend of mine who's down in Florida, and he said he went golfing this morning, but it was 39 degrees. Okay, so, so don't feel too bad that you're here, right? Was it, was it 39, Matt? Is that what you said? 39 degrees. So, hey, um, next weekend, we are not having services on Sunday. Uh, that's New Year's Day, so you can take that day off, but we are having New Year's Eve services, and they're going to be nights of worship, and I would really encourage you guys to plan on coming to one of those. We have one at 4.30, one at 11. I think the one at 11 is going to have a little bit more surprises to it. I think we're actually having a cookie and hot chocolate bar starting around 10, 10.30, and so you are welcome to come to either one, but if you're Debating between the two, come at 11. It's going to be a riot, so I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, so recently, I listed my son's 2002 Honda Accord for sale on Facebook Marketplace. Anyone done that where you've listed, like sold or bought a car on Facebook Marketplace? I like doing that because I can Facebook stalk the person who's trying to buy it, right? I mean, it's just nice to be able to look them up, look at their profile. But I would say within minutes, within minutes, I was getting messages, I mean, right away. And it's this default, hi, Clint, is it still available? Well, I posted it 30 seconds ago, so it is definitely still available, but I, I Facebook stalked them. And all of those messages I got like right away, they don't live around here. They don't live in Indiana. They don't live in the United States. I mean, they're like over in India and other countries. And I'm pretty sure that this guy in India really doesn't want my son's 2002 Honda Accord. It won't make the trip, right? I mean, if he buys it, it's not going to make it all the way to India. I, I think what's actually happening is that our friends from overseas are just making fun of us. I think that's what's happening. You know, I've been on many mission trips, so I can just envision this, three or four, you know, sitting around a terminal and going, watch this, you know, is it available? Can I come see it tonight? How about we meet at 7-Eleven? A few hours later, I'm running behind. <laughs> you guys had that, right? I'll be there shortly as you're sitting there at 7-Eleven waiting for it, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure they're just having a good time on Friday night at our expense. Well, eventually I started getting a few uh, local, you know, requests for the car. And one of the guys, the first thing he said was, um, hey, would you sell the rear spoiler? I'm like, no, that's the best part of the car. If you see the car, it's going to go way down in value. And then I had some of those lowball offers, you know, hey. And it reminded, <laughs> reminded me of that Salvation Army commercial. You ever seen that one, that garage sale commercial where the lady's going, hey, would you take a quarter? And the guy goes, if it was my grandmother's. 
it's quarter, take it or leave it. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it felt like, you know, as I'm getting all of these lowball offers. And uh, eventually, eventually I was able to sell this car for a good price and whew, glad to have that done. But, uh, but, you know, buying a car on Facebook Marketplace is also a challenge. I think it can be a little bit worse. Uh, you know, that whole adage, if it's too good to be true, what? It probably is. I mean, it really is. I mean, you look at a car for sale, maybe it's worth $6,000, but, but they're asking $4,000. The pictures look great. Again, Facebook stalked them. They're in India. I mean, I can, you can just look. They're in another country, and they're just having a good time on, with us Americans on a Friday night. But I've learned when you're doing this, my first question is always, is there anything wrong with it? Because you know it's a used car. I'm only buying used cars. And you know there's something wrong with it, right? I mean, there's got to be. So I'm, I'm testing their honesty right up front. Is there anything wrong with it? And then, uh, uh, because if they're lying about it, then you know they're probably lying about other things, right? And so <laughs> this, this one guy said, no, there's nothing wrong with it. And so my son Ben and I drove to the west side of South Bend, you know, which for us is like, a long way, you know, I mean, it's a long way. You drive out of the county, and it's just a long way. So anyway, so we went to the west side of South Bend, met this guy, and I looked at the car, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I bet you there's some things wrong with this. So we took it for a, a test drive, and me and Ben are sitting in this car, and it's just, you get up to 55, and you know, and it's just like, <laughs> I think there's something wrong with it, you know? <laughs> and so I came back, and I said, hey, you know, it, it has a little shift. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. And then we looked at the body of it. It was at night, but we were at a gas station, 7-Eleven. And so we're looking at the, the body, and you could see that it had been damaged and had been, like, repaired at home. I think it was a repair at home kit or something, you know, and spray painted. I said, it looks like the body's been damaged. And he said, he said, oh, yeah, a tree fell on it. You didn't think to tell me when I asked if there was something wrong with it that maybe a tree fell on it. <laughs> So a new question that I've, I've learned to ask, though, is, is the title in your name? I didn't think I'd have to ask that, but you, you have to nowadays because most of the time I'm finding is they'll say, oh, no, I'm selling it for my uncle or my brother or my grandpa or whatever. And, and, and I bought a car like that one time and, and it went through, you know, but you're taking a really big risk because you don't know if that person actually did sign off on it and do those kinds of things. But the, the same guy, you know, the guy with the uh, tree-crippled car, he said to me, I said, is the, is the title in your name? He says, he says, no, it's in my girlfriend's fiancé's name. <laughs> we didn't buy that car. We didn't buy that car. <laughs> now, the last car I bought, though, drove an hour and uh, looked at it, and I had asked, is it in your name, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I got the title. We were going to buy it, and it had three names on the title, mom, dad, and daughter. It was the daughter's car. And it was all signed off, you know, and I'm like, mom and dad were here, but I'm like, okay, I, this should be good, right? This should be good. And so um, I had to take the, the title to the license branch. Now, for those of you that are young, you don't understand the PTSD we older folks have from going to the license branch. 
It was a terrible experience, right? Can I get an amen from us? Amen. Yeah. The young people are like, what was wrong with going to License Branch? It was terrible. You went in there, and you knew that this was just the first of many trips. You just watched. You were not going to walk out of there with your title at all. There was just not a chance. And so you go in, and you're, and you're, you're sitting in front of this lady, and I remember feeling like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a convict, right? I mean, like, I'm trying to do something wrong. I know it because that's the way she's looking at me. That's the kind of questions she's asking me. It's like, I didn't do it. I just didn't do it. And so, and so you'd go in and they'd say, oh, yeah, well, you're going to have to get this. What do you mean? I'm, I have all the paperwork. Yeah, but see, he didn't cross his T on his signature. So you're going to have to go have him sign. He's from, like, Illinois. It doesn't matter. you got to go get him to cross his T. I mean, it was really bad back in the day. But it's not like that anymore. Um, you can actually go. I was a little nervous, but I decided I'm going to go, and I'm going to go in on a Monday because that's my day off, and I found out that that's actually the license branch day off, um, <laughs> except for in Kendallville. Kendallville, they work on Mondays. God bless Kendallville. And so, so I drove all the way to Kendallville, <laughs> an hour from here, right? And I went in with the three-signature title. And I'm, I'm just, you know, it's just because of my past, PTSD. I'm like, and you just lay it down on the table. And, and seriously, from the time I walked in to the time I walked out was five minutes. Five minutes. It was crazy. Now, that's one thing I didn't share. Back in the day, when you went to License Branch, it was at least an hour and a half. Didn't matter what time of the day it was, it was at least an hour and a half to be told that you needed to have the T crossed, you know? So it was five minutes. It was a wonderful thing. I walked out of there with this. This was a certificate of achievement, right? <laughs> I mean, that's really what it was. I was, I was so excited to get this. Now, I will tell you, though, even this sets you up to fail. You guys know that, right? It's got four holes in it. It looks like a license plate. And, and, and it looks like you can actually put this where the license plate goes, right, on the back of your car. Well, the last time I got one of these, I, it came in a bag, and I thought, well, maybe it'll be fine, right? Maybe it'll be fine. So I, so I screwed it on to the back of my car and hoped for the best, and three days later, it was gone. And I'm, it's just gone. They just disappear. So don't put this on the back of your <laughs> Just so you know, don't put it on the back of your car. Put it in your back window. But I said to my wife, I said, it's gone. The license plate is gone. And I didn't want to go back, to, you know, drive an hour away. And, and Rose says, I'll take care of it. I said, you'll take care of it. So she went online, and she printed one for me. Now, I don't think it was legal. <laughs> <laughs> but I taped it in my back window, and nobody pulled me over. <laughs> it was effective. It was effective. And by, the, yeah, and by the way, that is her side business right now. If you <laughs> got, got to pay for those Christmas gifts, got to pay for those Christmas gifts. <laughs> yeah, she's a good counterfeiter. So. If you need one, call Rose. <laughs> now, 
Why am I telling you all of this? Part of it's just it's therapeutic, and so I just needed a little bit <laughs> of sharing time. And no, we're not giving away a car for some of you in the back who are thinking, he's talking about cars, you know, it's out front. No, we're not giving away a car today. No, um, it does relate to Christmas. So in the same way, right, these are temporary, our temporary plates, um, they're only here for a season. They, they, they're not the real thing, but they're helpful, right? Um, they are just a promise of what's to come, right? This is coming in the mail, and this is, you know, what we're all looking for. This actually fits on your car. It's the real thing. It's really, really helpful. So a temporary plate is really just kind of a deposit, a promise of what is yet to come. Well, in the Old Testament, there are actually several stories that are really just deposits. They are foretelling what is to come. And we can look at those stories and see that they were actually prophecies of something that was yet to come. They're called prophetic types. Prophetic types. I'll give you a few examples. Um, one example was uh, when Moses was leading the Israelites, they started to rebel. And so God got angry with them, decided to discipline them, and sent poisonous snakes in their midst. And so Moses cried out, the people cried out, and so God told Moses to take a, I think it was a bronze snake, make a bronze snake and put it up on a pole, and anyone who would get bit by this poisonous snake, would all, all they'd have to do is look up at the pole and they would be saved. So that was really a foreshadowing, telling the story of what we were going to see later. So the snakes, of course, represent Satan. And Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so in the same way that the Israelites would look up to the pole to be saved, we can look up to Jesus who was raised up on a cross, and we can find salvation as well. So that was a prophetic type. Let me give you another one. Jonah in the whale. Um, Jesus actually used Jonah as an illustration, and he said in Matthew chapter 12, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days. Christ's body was in the grave for three days. And after three days, Jonah was raised back to life. And in the same way, Christ's body was raised back to life after three days. Another example was the Israelites, Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years before they inherited the promised land. And Jesus went to the desert, fasted and prayed for 40 days before he announced that he was the promised Messiah. There's a few more. Boaz, who was married to Ruth, is seen as a type of Christ redeemer. Abraham, being willing to sacrifice his son Isaac, was a type showing that God would be willing to sacrifice his son for us as well. And even the Feast of the First Fruits represents Christ as the first fruits from the dead. But today I want to talk about a prophetic type, which was the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb. Because the Passover lamb was a type of Savior that was foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do for us. 
John the Baptist actually recognizes Jesus as a lamb when he says this in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Paul states that Jesus was, the actual, was actually the Passover lamb in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And the prophet Isaiah, when he was talking about the coming Messiah, calls him a lamb. And he says this, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So the Passover lamb is a symbol of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for each of us. And during this Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of Christ. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago in a stable. And today we're going to look at the reason why Jesus was born. Why did God send his son on earth to be born 2,000 years ago? So we're finishing our Christmas message series titled Foretold Prophecies Fulfilled by the Birth of Christ. And if, if you missed any of those, you can find those on our website. You can go back and watch those. But every week we've been looking at some of the Old Testament prophecies that Jesus' life, birth, life, and today we'll be talking about his death, how they uh, fulfilled these prophecies. So today I'm going to read about the Passover lamb, the first uh, Passover lamb, and then we'll take it some time and look at how the Passover lamb was really a symbol of what Christ was going to do and how the two are related. You can turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Genesis, Exodus, it's the second book of your Bibles. And in this section, the Israelites have been enslaved. They've been in Egypt for 400 years. And Moses has shown up. God sent Moses to to lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. But Pharaoh, of course, doesn't want to let them go. His, His free labor, slave labor, he doesn't want to let them go. So God sends nine plagues in a row, from locusts to gnats to all kinds of things, frogs and all of that. And still Pharaoh will not let the Israelites go. But there is one more plague yet to be unleashed on the Egyptians. We're going to read about that. So we're going to read Exodus chapter 12. And we'll read 1 through 7. And then we will uh, skip down to 12 through 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, 
when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Jumping down to verse 12. And on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all, on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So today's message is titled, just simply, Lamb of God. Lamb of God. And we're going to look at just seven ways that the Passover lamb and Christ are very much the same and how the Passover lamb was a prophetic type of who Christ was going to be. All right, but first let me pray and I'll give these to you. Jesus, we just want to say thank you for leaving heaven and coming to earth to be with us. And you came here for a very specific purpose and it was to be the Passover lamb. And we thank you for that. I pray today, God, that you would Open up our hearts and minds to receive from you. Because this is your story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. Seven ways that the Passover lamb and Jesus were much the same. So both the Passover lamb and Jesus were free from any defect. That's your first one. It's free from any defect. The Passover lamb had to be pure and spotless. It couldn't be crippled. It couldn't be maimed. It had to be completely pure. Jesus had to be completely pure and spotless and perfect as well. If he was going to be the Passover lamb and die a sacrificial death, he had to be perfect as well. And Jesus was. Though he was God come to man in his humanity, he resisted sin his entire life. He was perfect. When Peter was describing Jesus, one of his disciples who knew him pretty well, he said this, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So both the lamb and Jesus were perfect. Secondly, they were both examined the week before Passover. I never thought about that until this week when I was studying for this message, but the Passover lamb was actually brought in on the 10th, which would have been a Sunday for us, and then it was examined for the next five days just to make sure that it really was pure and spotless, and then it was allowed to become the Passover lamb. Well, Jesus came in on a Sunday, on Palm Sunday, we, we know the story, and uh, it was a huge celebration, but over the next several days, he was questioned by the religious leaders and the people. And he was examined as well and found to be without fault by the people. He was perfect. Well, number three, they were both killed on Passover Eve. So the Passover lamb was, was sacrificed on Thursday night, Friday morning. That's when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. 
And I find it just really interesting that Jesus was also killed on the same day. It was early on Friday morning, and he was nailed to the cross, and he died later that afternoon, the same day that the Passover lamb was sacrificed. This is an interesting one. Number four, both the Passover lamb and Jesus had their bodies ceremonially eaten. So it was imperative that the Passover lamb was, was killed and then he was roasted and everyone in the, the household had to eat the Passover lamb and any leftovers, they actually had to burn it. But, but they didn't save any, but they, there was a reason for them eating the Passover lamb it was for them to understand the sacrifice that was made for their salvation. Well, on the night before Jesus was crucified, he took the bread and he broke it. In Luke chapter 22, it says, and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they took the bread and they ate it ceremonially like it was his body just like the Passover lamb. Number five, both the Passover lamb and Jesus didn't have any of their bones broken. This was an, an important part of the Passover lamb versus just having butchering an animal and, and eating it because bones are broken in that normal process. But God had directed and said, no, the Passover lamb is special. You are not to break any of the bones all the way through. Well, Jesus didn't have any of his bones broken either, but it was really close. He almost did. Because it was late in the afternoon on Friday. Passover was about to begin. Passover began at about 6 p.m. At, at, at sunset. And the religious leaders and the chief priests and the Pharisees, they said, we don't want these bodies hanging up on crosses during our Passover feast. We just want that to all be done. And so they, they ordered the soldiers to go and break the legs of those being crucified. And that would speed up their death because they would no longer be able to push up and breathe as they were hanging on the cross. And it, they would die quickly. And so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two soldiers, or the two criminals that were being crucified beside Jesus, but when they came to Jesus, he had already died. And so they didn't, they didn't break a bone, which again was important if he was going to be the Passover lamb to not have any of his bones broken. And then number six, both the Passover lamb and Jesus had wooden beams covered in their blood. As the scripture said, they would they would sacrifice the Passover lamb and then they would take the blood and they put it, they put it up on the, the door frame around their houses and the, the angel would see that and, and would save that household. Well, Christ was crucified on two wooden beams, much like we see behind me. And his blood flowed and, and covered those beams as well. And then the last similarity is that both the Passover lamb and Jesus shed their blood for salvation. It was the blood of the Passover lamb that kept the angel of death 
from killing the people in that household. Christ's blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. And it's through his blood that we find salvation today. On that last night before he was crucified, after he had broken the bread and given it to them, he says this, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus shed his blood. He willingly laid down his life. And it was predicted thousands of years earlier through this tradition of the Passover lamb. And Jesus fulfilled that requirement of the Passover lamb. He died so that we can have forgiveness of sin. So, Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.